If your property is stolen, what are the odds of it being recovered? On today's episode, we'll share ways to improve those odds, as well as being better prepared to deal with the insurance company after a claim. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today. And we've got Mark here with me in the studio. Hello, Mark. Hello, Krista. What's going on? Well, just been working today. You know, we've been paying attention to a particular event that's taking place out west. There's some wildfires that are just running rampant now in the Arizona, New Mexico areas. And we are concerned about that. We know that there are people that are at very high alert. And we understand that every resource is being marshaled to that area. And so we just want to bring awareness to a wildfire situation. You know, we have talked about bugging out, and wildfire is one of the reasons why some people have to do that. Yeah, you may just absolutely have to do that. I was reading something about a couple, you know, we're just coming off of the Las Vegas wildfires, and there was a couple around Las Vegas that moved their livestock to what they thought was a safe location, and then they wound up having to move it a second time because they were endangered twice. Oh, wow. Our prayers certainly go out to those folks, and uh, folks, if you're out in the outdoors, please be careful with anything that could start a fire. Uh, We just want to try to cut those down as few as possible and just keep those things in mind. Hey, you know, just taking a turn here for a moment, we'd like to welcome Ruthie from Florida. She's one of our newest listeners, and we're just delighted to have Ruthie listening. So, hey, Ruthie, welcome to Practical Prepping Podcast. We're glad that you have joined us as a listener. We want you to tell your family and friends that they can join in also and learn something. Yes, and I'm Mark, and that's Krista. She's got the prettier voice, the prettier (laughs) face, the prettier everything. (laughs) Oh, you know, we need to talk about our sponsors right now, too. Yeah, we've got some great sponsors. Jim Curtis Knives. Jim is a builder of custom knives that are as beautiful as they are functional. Every one of those knives comes with a lifetime guarantee, lifetime sharpening, and two band-aids. You know, he's been posting some photos recently of some of his more recent work, and he had posted one a couple of days ago, I think, and I want to say it's already sold, but it was a rather large kind of a cook's knife, and I mean, it was a handsome, beautiful knife. I think that's the one that had the 12-inch blade. I believe it was. And, you know, he'll he'll post it, and I'll drool, and Mm -hmm. then I'll see where it's sold. Yeah, I was kind of thinking, you know, he he writes, it's already sold, and I'm like, well, then don't post it. I don't want to see it if it's already sold just post the ones that haven't been sold yet come on jim well they are beautiful beautiful knives another one of our sponsors is proline digital group you know they're the ones that do the web hosting the app creation they do graphic and logo content they'll also do digital leads if you have a uh, for example self-employment kind of business Mm -hmm. if you're a landscaper or a babysitter or a dog walker or you do one of these types of things you're especially in need of some qualified leads and proline digital group is the group of folks that can put customers in your path and that's what you want And our other sponsor is Practical Prepping for Everyday People. It's a common sense guide for preparing for life's emergencies that was written by Krista and myself. 
and that will really help you get started if you're new to prepping and help you take it to the next level if you've got some experience. Now, what is our topic tonight? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Kind of an unusual topic, but it's something that's touched our lives. We've certainly had property stolen from us, and we've been able to recover it. We may get into that in a minute, but we're talking about increasing your odds of having stolen property recovered and also dealing with the insurance company. This is a prepping topic because it helps us to be prepared in case we are the victim of a theft, and it prepares us to deal with the insurance claims. You know, a lot of times that can be kind of a contentious negotiations if we're not careful there, but if we go in prepared, it makes it a lot easier. Exactly. And speaking of prepared as well, we'd also like to make mention that if you, the listeners, would like to support our podcast, we would certainly appreciate you starting your Amazon shopping from our Amazon affiliate banner. Go to www.practicalprepping.info, scroll down till you see Amazon banner, click on it, sign into your account, do your shopping as usual, and we will be able to enjoy a very small commission, but very necessary to help us keep the podcast supported. And we've also placed some items on a page that we've called Recommended Items. These are things that we use. These are things that we trust. And it's just some things that you could find very, very helpful in your prepping journey. So take a look at those as well, whether it's something that you would like to purchase or not. Just go ahead and take a look at those on our website Okay, so we're talking about stolen property. Let's talk about something specific. It might help jumpstart this conversation. You know, a lot of folks have collections of firearms, Mm -hmm. and some of them are sentimental, and some of them are very just valuable as a shooter or a collectible piece. Nonetheless, a firearm can be a very expensive item to purchase, and you certainly want to take care of it so that you can protect it from theft. Now, what are ways that you can do that? Well, there's a couple of things here, and over the years, I've had a couple of different firearms that have been stolen, Mm -hmm. and I've gotten two of those back. One was stolen in a burglary when I was sharing in an apartment with the young man that married your sister. Oh, yeah. Your brother-in-law. Yeah, right. He became your Mm brother-in-law, and we were sharing an apartment, and we were burglarized, and I had a gun stolen there, and I got it back Actually, five years later, I found out about it four years later. It was used in a robbery and kidnapping. Oh, And so I was able to get that back. The second one was a firearm that was stolen out of a vehicle, and we were able to get that one back. Now, what I suggest is that you photograph each of your weapons or any of the valuables that you have. Yeah, not just firearms. Not just firearms. I mean, if you've got something that's rather valuable, then photograph it. And if it has a serial number on it, record the serial number. Make a digital copy, make a paper copy, make an off-site copy. You can email it to yourself. You can put it into the cloud. But you need to be able to access those serial numbers if you have a theft Now, a lot of people do think about recording the serial numbers on firearms, but there's some other things that have serial numbers that people don't think about. Right. Things like uh, these televisions, Mm -hmm. these flat screen TVs, they all have clearly marked serial numbers and model numbers. Sometimes it's on the side or the bottom or across the top, around the back, Mm -hmm. usually of that television. Also, any type of sound and stereo equipment 
components like mixing boards, microphones, speakers, those types of things. Uh, you know, we used to have these big home stereo systems. Those big and- Magnavox and the big big furniture. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about even back before I'm talking. Oh, yeah. Uh, when when you had the receiver and you had the tuner and you had the turntable and you played the actual vinyl things. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, vinyl, go get your grandparents to explain that to you. <laughs> an LP. It's an LP. <laughs> and they you could get them in 33 and a third, 45, 78. Mm-hmm. And exactly. uh, I think there was a... LPs were 33 and a third. Uh, right. And so uh, get your grandparents to explain that to you, and they'll enjoy talking with you about it. And this goes way back before 8-track tapes. Oh, you might need to ask them about 8-track tapes as well. You yeah. might not know and what And you know is. the 8-track, so they had to be good because you couldn't just go back and forth. You had to let the whole side play, mm-hmm. then the other side would play. Oh, mm-hmm. we are really walking down memory <laughs> lane, aren't we? Yes, now, we are. Here's another high theft item, and that would be the world of computers, and particularly laptops, because they're much smaller, easy to carry. A lot of folks will actually put them in a laptop case. In fact, some folks even think that that's a signal to a would-be thief that, hey, here's my laptop. So some people have gotten to where they're carrying their laptop in a backpack or an oversized handbag to not give the impression there's a laptop in there. Well, the computer bag, the laptop bag, is so common today that I have concerns at times about my car bag or my get-home bag being visible. Somebody walking through and sees that, which is in a backpack, and thinks, oh, there's a computer, and breaks into the car and gets that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, those laptops have serial numbers on them. How many folks record the serial number off of their laptop? That's a very good question. And also a device like a smartphone, either Apple or an Android or a flip phone or Mm -hmm. a jitterbug or whatever you've got. Your tablets, your iPads, those types of things. Every one of them have some sort of information. In fact, a lot of times you can actually access the information about the device on the device. Like my phone has an about phone feature and you open that up and there's all the information i would screenshot that and maybe even record that onto another computer or a thumb drive yeah some way that you can access it because if it's stored only on your telephone and your telephone's stolen then it's absolutely (laughs) no good to you right cameras and lenses now most all good cameras have a serial number And you can record that serial number and the exact models. Now, that will come into play. We need that serial number. We need the model and the make of the camera or the, you know, whatever the designation is on that camera. And some of the higher-end lenses have serial numbers on them. Oh, absolutely. I've seen the price tag on some of those camera lenses, and they are healthy. So you definitely want to have a record of that purchase. You know that you can also record the serial numbers or VIN number, some folks would say vehicle identification number, on lawnmower, on lawn tractors, certainly on ATVs. Those all have some type of a VIN number or serial number. Record that. And I would even include motorcycles, bicycles, anything that you can drive, ride, Uh, power in some way as a vehicle of some sort. Well, my tricycle doesn't have a serial number. (laughs) Oh, boy. That's a pedal cycle. Mm -hmm. If you can ride it, drive it, trike it, bike it, or or off-road with it, 
it's got a VIN number somewhere. It should have. Yeah. should have. So if it does, then you find that, record that, and keep it in a couple of different locations. Because when we show up to take the report for where it was stolen, we're going to want that information. Mm-hmm. And if you have that information that we can put into NCIC, then we're going to run similar objects when we run into them. Yeah, We don't run into a firearm that we don't run. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Just if we also, we we stopped a car full of TVs one day. Full of TVs. Full of TVs. The back (laughs) seat of the car had three or four widescreen, flat screen televisions in it. But guess what? Nobody had reported those stolen with a serial number. We knew they were stolen. Yeah. We knew that. That yeah. that was without a doubt. But we could not prove that on the side of the road. You know, that's that's a very good point because really, especially in the case of like a TV, if you don't have a way to identify which one is yours, the police are not going to release a television to you just on your word that yours has been stolen. No, but if you have that serial number and we enter that serial number, not only are we going to get your TV back, but we're going to take the guy or girl. Yeah, because now you've got a you've got proof of we've a got crime. someone in possession of stolen property. So that's how important it is. Now, there are a lot of things that we have around the house that are valuable that we don't have serial numbers for. Yes, such as jewelry. Jewelry, china, silverware. Photograph this stuff. If you've got a silver collection, you know, the silver flatware, is Mm -hmm. that the word I'm looking for? They're sterling, they're silver plate. Then you need to photograph that. And we can use that photo ID at times to be able to identify that jewelry mm-hmm. and or that china pattern or anything like that. Uh, furniture, especially antiques, anything else that has good value to it, then record those serial numbers and photograph that. And one of the reasons you want to do that is because stuff happens. That's why you have to stay prepared. Yeah, we want to be prepared for this because if we don't get it back in a very short period of time, then we're going to need to deal with the insurance on a claim. Right. So let's say you've had a burglary or perhaps a theft or even if a vehicle has been totaled, what's the next step? What you paid for that property is irrelevant, okay? It doesn't matter what you paid for it. What matters is the fair market value today. Right. So before discussing any claim with a claims adjuster, you're going to want to do some research and you want to document the research that you've done. For example, what would be the average asking price for comparable property? For example, totaled vehicles. Mark has a story. His first wife was involved in a car crash where she was hit head on. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Everybody turned out okay. There were six of them, including the babies in the car, in the car seats. And they were hit by a drunk head on. Thankfully, everybody was safe when it was all over with. There were some transported and checked out, but they were all safe and all released that night. But then it came time to deal with the insurance company. And I've known my insurance agent for Many, many, many years. I mean, we're talking about kids. I've known him that long. Mm-hmm. And he's been a friend. He's had my insurance for 30-something years, 40-something years now. 
And he told me about doing this research and finding out that information. And back then, I bought a newspaper and I went through the want ads, the sales. This was in the early 80s. And I got every vehicle that was fairly close, uh, one year older or newer at the maximum. Mm -hmm. I tried to get as many as I could with that particular year model and the asking value and tried to list the accessories on there. And so when I sat down with the claims adjuster, I had the information there. I had the Kelly Blue Book retail price. I had those sell prices for the same year models. And if you're doing this, research six or eight vehicles and put that into your info. Now, you may, you may research 10 or 12, but include at least the top three for the asking price. Average those top three, and that's your asking price. And the average of all of the prices can be your minimum. Oh, okay. So you go in with... Here's what I'm going to ask for. They're probably not going to give you exactly what you asked for. They're going to come back with a low ball, and you just go play ping pong mm-hmm. until you get to your minimum. And the same process applies for all other property. Oh, so you're like talking about minimum three prices on the exact model of the firearm, for example. You mm-hmm. can research with some online gun sellers or mm-hmm. maybe even go to some actual stores. Yeah, and this is not the place where I look for the lowest price either. Now, I'm not looking for the ridiculously high, but if I'm trying to get an average now, I saw this gun offered for this price on this site. I saw the same gun offered for this price on this site. So if they want to go and check your research, they're welcome to do that. Right. But they see what you've done. They've got a pretty good idea that you know what your property is worth. Okay. You know, and that's what's great about the internet now because that information is so much more readily available. You know, back in the 60s, 70s, even the 80s, we actually had to go get newspapers Mm -hmm. and magazines and go to stores and shops. The internet can give you so much information at a much faster pace, too. Oh, absolutely can. And this was back in the days when you'd find firearms advertised in the paper. Oh, yes. I know. Those days are gone. Pretty much anything you wanted to do. Uh, Do the same thing, whether it's cameras or lawn equipment. If you have a major item stolen, then go through this process before you sit down to settle things with your insurance company. You don't have to take just the first number they throw out on the table. And, you know, and I am not downing insurance at all. It's one of those types of things we have to have in our lives. But yet when it comes time for a claim, to be quite honest, in the insurance industry, It is quite their normal and customary process to offer you the lowest dollar amount that you'll accept Mm -hmm. because they're they're trying to keep the check they're writing low and you also don't want to be cheated. So don't just expect the insurance company to necessarily, you know, offer you the the going rate even from your friend you know, do yep. your research and stick to your your stick to your uh, facts on that this, sort this of thing. is where their job is to come out with the price being as low as it can your job is to come out with it being as high as it can exactly and so there's going to be some negotiation going on there now here's some places that you can look to find the value of some of this equipment look for a used equipment sellers 
Oh, okay. Like just resell, even a pawn shop, perhaps. Pawn shops can be, but you'll find all kinds of used equipment sellers. Lawnmowers get traded in. Tractors get traded in. Mm -hmm. People trade up. So that's a good place to go. eBay is a good place to go and search out the prices. Now, don't go to the bargain hunter sites. Which would be what? Well, like Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. Oh, okay, because they're probably just a rung or two above yard sale at that point. They're they're wanting to move this out, and they're willing to take a much lower price to get rid of it. So that's not who you're going to to determine value. Don't don't go to those. Now, now if you're going to buy something, Craigslist (laughs) is a good place to go. And, you know, Facebook Marketplace is a good place to buy things. Mm -hmm. But it's not a good place to start researching the value of property that you've had stolen or damaged or destroyed and you're looking to settle insurance claims. That is not the place to go. So we need to photograph, we need to document, we need to keep this information out of our devices in some separate location as well, just on the off chance it's the device that got stolen. Well, yeah, as an example, in the file cabinet over there, I've got all of the serial numbers of the guns I used to own before that boating accident where we lost them all in the river in 300 feet of water. That's pretty sad. And I've got all the serial numbers on a thumb drive, and I've got all of those on a portable hard drive that's actually in the safe. So I can pull up any of those, have hard copy digital, and one of those stays in my bag with me, what the thumb drive does, so that I have it anywhere I were to need it. You know, it's very important to have a redundant system when it comes to important documents like that, mm-hmm. just for that very reason, if so that you have more than one place, more than one source to go to for that should something cataclysmic occur. Yeah, I'm a little anal about some of this stuff. My redundancy has redundancy. <laughs> well, that's that's actually very good research. So we hope that this information has been helpful to you. Certainly, we hope that you are not the victim of a theft or a burglary or even something that might happen that would be a, a catastrophic, like a storm event that might cause you to lose some of your possessions. This may also be very helpful for insurance purposes to have records of your antique silver or the the uh, firearms or the jewelry or the very very expensive furniture or televisions or electronics those types of high value items you know you determine what you want to keep a record of keep good records uh, make sure those doors and windows are locked and keep your security systems up and running because that's good practical prepping as well And if you do have some type of a claim, do your homework before you go to that meeting. But go ahead and do some homework now and record those serial numbers and do that photography. Put that aside. And if the need arises, you will be money ahead. That's a good place to be. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Practical Prepping Podcast. You can contact us through email at info at practicalprepping.info or on Facebook. The link is in the show notes. Until next time, remember, stuff happens, stay prepared.